and welcome to episode 28 of the Alfa Romeo Driver Podcast, brought to you by the Alfa Romeo Owners Club. I'm Guy Swalbrick, and this week we're going to preview the 2021 Formula One season. We'll look back at 2020, look forward to the new look 23 race calendar, and reflect on what we've learnt from Alfa Romeo Racing's car launch, testing programme, and the Friday and Saturday sessions from the opening round at Bahrain. It's hard to believe that 2021 will be Alfa Romeo Racing's fourth season in Formula One, after its return with Sauber in 2018. The record books show that the first three years have seen the team finish 8th in the Constructors' Championship every year, but there have been three very different seasons. In 2018, rookie hotshot Charles Leclerc racked up an impressive 39 points, with a 6th, 4 sevenths, 2 ninths, and 2 tenths. Marcus Ericsson backed him up with 3 ninths and 2 tenths, which left the team just 4 points off Force India in 7th. 2019 saw Ericsson out of a drive, and Leclerc off to Ferrari with veteran Kimi Raikkonen and rookie and Alfa Romeo driver photo competition judge Antonio Giovinazzi taking over the driving duties. The team continued to make progress in terms of race finishes, with Kimi taking a fourth in Brazil, three sevenths, two eighths and ninth and a tenth. Giovinazzi had a difficult first season. It was clearly quick, but also prone to the odd rookie error. A ninth and a tenth all he had to show for the season, until he followed Kimi home in Brazil to take fifth and a total of 14 points. Despite those extra nine points over the course of the season, the gap to 7th and the newly renamed Racing Point team widened to 16 points. 2020 was a year we all want to forget, but the Ferrari-powered teams had another reason, with a dramatic power deficit to the other teams. Although Alpha maintained 8th place, the team's points haul dropped from 57 to just 8. There were some positives though, with Giovinazzi eliminating most of the silly mistakes from previous seasons, and holding an impressive record of gaining places on the first lap in every race except Turkey where he qualified 10th with Kimi 8th. He led the entire field for positions gained on the opening lap, with an impressive 50 places gained over the season. Kimi was 3rd with 28. Kimi battling his way to 6th and very nearly 5th in the opening stages at Portimao, and running 2nd, albeit very briefly, at Monza were highlights too. But perhaps the biggest indicator of the team's progress was the way they closed the gap to Ferrari in the Constructors' Championship from 447 points behind in 2019 to just 123 in 2020. 2021 was supposed to be a transitional year, with radical new regulations postponed due to the coronavirus crisis, with only minor adjustments aimed at cost reductions and slowing the cars down by removing downforce. The biggest impact, a massive 10% of total downforce according to the FIA's simulations, was through the loss of a 10cm long triangular section at the rear of the floor, the banning of slots and slats on the floor, but with no change to what analysts refer to as sticky-uppy bits. Along with restrictions on the length of the rear brake duct winglets and the depth of the structural elements of the rear diffuser. As well as the changes, a whole host of components have to be carried over from 2020, including the monocoque, suspension components, the structure of the front floor, impact structures, plank, gearbox and many others. These homologated components can be changed, but only by using one of the two development tokens the teams have been allocated. And some components have been priced at two tokens. All of this on top of a complicated cost cap that reduces team budgets to $145 million, excluding drivers and the top three salaried staff, for 2021, reducing to $140 million in 2022 and $135 in 2023, with an additional $45 million available for capital expenditure between now and 2024. And while all that's going on, the teams have to design their 2022 cars to a completely new set of regulations, which, coupled with the restriction in development tokens, means that the cars we see in Bahrain will be largely unchanged for the rest of the season. And, of course, the law of unintended consequences means that the cost cap may actually mean that the top teams go into the first session with a massive lead built up when budgets were unrestricted, 
and the smaller teams don't have the money to catch up. And that effect may even spill over into 2022, with many of the teams having started work on next season's car last year. And where did Alpha spend its tokens? They went on a nose job. A new front wing, much slimmer nose, and front brake ducts, although the Scudetto-shaped air intakes retained. Speaking at the launch, team boss Fred Vasseur couldn't wait to get back to the track. This period of the season is always very exciting with a lot of emotions for sure because that we prepared the car for months now and we are close to be on track. Uh, we did the fire up last week and uh, that it's a very exciting period that, uh, with a very high expectation from all the teams. All the teams expect to do a, a good job and to be in a good position at the first race. It's like the, the first day when you are back at school and uh, the emotions are there. But how had the difficulties of last season affected the preparation for this year? First 2020 was a very strange season with the pandemic that we were able to do 17 races and it, I think it was a huge effort from everybody, from the team, from the FIA, from the firm to put it together. But uh, in the other end that we had to do 17 races in five months, we finished the season very late, mid-December in, in Abu Dhabi. And uh, now we are back on track just uh, two months after. It means that the, the winter break was very short and even if we carry over a large part of the car that we had a huge plan of development and wind tunnel testing and uh, we are back on track with a big expectation. And the impact of the new regulations? Yeah, we will carry over in 2021 the same philosophy of the car but with a new regulation on the aero package. It means that we have to come back into the wind tunnel and to do development uh, to stick to the new regulation. Uh, but the big change uh, in terms of philosophy of the car will arrive for 2022 and the team in terms of development will be focused on the 2022 project quite soon into the season. What about the impact of the cost cap? Honestly the cost cap won't affect drastically the team that it's uh, much more difficult for the big ones and uh, we are in a in your comfort zone let's say that and uh, and but we, we will have to be very efficient with the budget because now efficiency will be the key word in F1. How else has the pandemic affected the team financially? As you said, 2020 was a difficult season for the F1, for the sport in general, but uh, for the world and for the economy. At the end of the day, I think that we can be proud that uh, all the sponsors stayed with us, decided to extend the partnership. And it's also a, a good proof of the, the collaboration between the team and the sponsors. And we are also very happy to welcome new sponsors for 2021. How important was it to retain the same driver lineup for this year? Yeah, that the, the collaboration between the team and the drivers in a Formula One team is crucial. That it's not just about the level of the drivers, but the, the collaboration between both sides, drivers and team, it's a crucial point. I think that with Kimi and Antonio, first we have a good lineup, a good combination between them, and now a very good relationship between them and the teams. That we know each other, that it's a, an important point, and we know exactly what they want in and out of the car and uh, I think it will be very helpful to continue to improve. Technical director Yann Monchot was also on hand to talk about the design philosophy of the new car. Well the C41 is actually sharing a lot of uh, common parts to the C39 simply due to the, the regulations that were voted a bit in a hurry during the, the 2020 years and the corona uh, situation so some parts had to be frozen like uh, the chassis, we decided to freeze the chassis uh, to carry over the gearbox and, and many other elements like the cooling system. Um, the regulation allowing you to uh, invest so-called two tokens 
in larger change, which we decided to uh, invest in the nose, so we have a new nose. Uh, but once you have burned your two tokens, uh, a lot of other parts had to be frozen. So it's, uh, it's quite unusual for Formula One that during the winter we are not redoing the entire car. It was uh, mainly driven by, by the regulation, uh, which, which are prohibiting this to, to also keep the cost under control in this uh, special year that 2020 and 2021 are. How much did the COVID crisis affect the development of the car? Thinking about it, not so much, because effectively uh, what people might not necessarily know or remember is that uh, when Melbourne was uh, cancelled last year, we almost went into a nine-week shutdown. So during nine weeks, no Formula One team was working. A period of the year where we would have been starting to redo uh, or to do the car for the 2021 season which has been, in terms of new regulation, postponed to 2022. So effectively, when we came back, the regs had changed, and we knew that we wouldn't have to redo a brand new car for 21, but um, for 22. And therefore, um, most of the effort concentrated on, on finishing the 2020 season, bringing a lot of updates during the season, uh, and then moving to the 2021 project, which is, as I said, a sort of uh, a uh, mix between carryover from the 2020 car and, and new development since uh, the regulation also uh, changed during the winter for 21. And has the budget cap made a difference yet? Well, certainly not for 21. The budget cap is, uh, is starting this year, um, but the 2021 cars are, if you want, are already done. They will be in season development, but the big investment we are done in 2020 plus the regulation are, are relatively stable. Uh, it would be very surprising that we see a complete overhaul of uh, last year's classification. There might be some changes, but I'm not expecting uh, some teams that were running at the front to all of a sudden be in the back or at the end of the, the field. For 2022, it clearly has an impact because on the paper, all the teams now have the same budget to, uh, to, develop, um, to develop the car for 22. So on the paper, Certainly, uh, there are hopes that uh, the gaps will reduce. Now, uh, it is certainly going to take a couple of years, in my opinion, um, simply because uh, the, the large team, uh, not only do they have more money and more people, they most of the time also have a technological um, advance on, on the others that they will still benefit from. Um, and we shouldn't forget that the budget cap uh, does not impact the power unit. Uh, therefore, there will still be a large differentiator, which is a power unit, which is uh, effectively the heart of, uh, of the car. And, and therefore, um, if a manufacturer does a fantastic job, uh, then he will and his client will certainly have a, 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 an advantage with respect to the others. So on the paper, I'm confident that in the next two, three years, it will reduce a little bit the gaps, but we shouldn't expect all of a sudden that uh, on uh, 23 races there will be uh, 10 winners. I would be very surprised. With only three days of testing this year, will the development programme be squeezed? Bahrain test will be, uh, will be hectic, I suppose. Uh, teams will be trying to put as many kilometres as possible uh, together because uh, everyone wants to tick off uh, uh, the boxes on the expectations um, they have on their car. On top, we have new tyres, uh, which we could test in a couple of occasions last year, but uh, which is 
a new chapter and certainly there will be a lot of uh, work to be done on this. So uh, I think Bahrain will be very hectic. Uh, that's certainly going to be even more act, uh, hectic than, than in the past years. Yeah. And what does the programme look like for the test? We, we are finishing the car now, so we will go to the track. We hopefully be able to, uh, uh, as I said before, to tick off the box that our expectations are, are matching reality, um, or reality matches our expectations. Um, but there will certainly be um, issues uh, to be tackled. Uh, I expect on the drivability side that maybe uh, the driver will be uh, complaining about some characteristic uh, affecting the, the, the balance of the car and their confidence in the car, which then clearly will be somehow in what we can, we will try to uh, to tackle for, for, for the coming season. Um, in terms of pure development, we are planning uh, updates during the season. It is certainly going to be less um, than in, in previous year, uh, simply because we know it's the last year of uh, the actual regulation. 2022 is a, is, a, is a revolution for, for F1. We've got to redo a complete car and it's also a great opportunity for a team like we or the midfield teams to, to do, if they do properly their homework, to, to be closer to the, to the front uh, from the onset of the, of the new wreck. So it, it is no secret that we are certainly going to favor more the C42, so the 2022 car development during 21. Than, uh, than developing until Abu Dhabi on the, this actual car because having a budget cap, having a, restrict, uh, a limited resource, the more we put in the 21 car, the less we'll be able to put in the 22 car. And the 22 car is, is really, the, the, for us, the big, big milestone. And from a technical perspective, what are the advantages of retaining the same driver lineup? Well, you have the certainty that uh, your drivers what they like, what they don't like, will be the same. So since we have limited the running time during the winter test, uh, and the 21 car is, is effectively a, a, a sister of the 39, of the 2020 car, um, we, are, we know what, to, what they expect, what they want. So we've been working on the car to try to mitigate some, of, uh, some aspect of the car they didn't like. If we had a completely new driver with a completely different style, we would start for this last season with very limited testing time from a blank sheet of paper, which uh, would certainly be an additional challenge. So having uh, these two drivers, the continuity on that side, certainly helps uh, the work of, uh, of, uh, of the engineers um, to, to hopefully provide them a tool they are confident with to, to really push constantly to, to the limit. The drivers seemed pleased with the progress at the launch, tempered by the fact that, for all the progress the team had made, nobody knew at that point where the other teams would be. So how was Kimi feeling about the season to come? Obviously it's a uh, yeah, new season, but uh, we'll, we'll see how it goes. Uh, we will start testing, I think, roughly in one month time. So, uh, you know, uh, it's coming quickly again, but uh, we'll have to do the best that we can in, in testing, see how the how the car is, so was the rules change. The ba let's say the basic car is more or less the same. The chassis itself, but there's rule changes and uh, new engine, this and that. So we'll have to find out how how it is, and uh, we'll go from there. I mean, apart from that, it's uh, it goes. Uh, let's say the preparation goes every year more or less same. So 
hopefully. It would be nice to get started again. And what had he been doing since the end of last season? Not much. I mean, I've been uh, since the end of the last year, obviously. Um, there was Christmas was pretty soon afterwards. Uh, New Year, then we came back to home in Switzerland and just, uh, you know, spent time with family. The kids been in kindergarten, doing normal things, doing some training and uh, been at the factory a few times. And, uh, you know, I think... Um, very basic things and uh, you know soon obviously we start traveling again and uh, yeah there's a small change obviously everybody was expecting to go Australia and uh, we start in Bahrain so um, yeah we'll see we'll see. Had he changed his preparation at all for this season? No I haven't really I think obviously every year is slightly different how you maybe prepare because I don't know conditions on the outside or the weather or uh, because of Maybe we have work that we have to travel more or less, or it really depends on a million different things. But uh, you know, I'll, I'll do things that I feels feels good for me, and um, I would say that it's more or less they are similar every year. But there's other things, you know. There's no, there's not um, schedule that it's let's say every day is the same, or it could be anything. You know, I don't make a big plans before, and uh, I do. What I need to do, and uh, that's about it. I try to enjoy it. On the same time, if I don't feel that I like, I feel that um, I don't want to train. I don't train that day, and I train next day. I mean, it's it's not the uh, end of the day. What's the relationship with Giovanazzi like? Uh, obviously, we knew each other a little bit with Antonio from from Ferrari days, and uh, so it was let's say quite easy when we started to be teammates, and obviously. More years you always spend, more I guess we know each other, and you know we always. I think in our, on my side at least, we always had a very good relationship and we had a good fun. So obviously, I think the main thing is we try to do, hopefully, have a better results than last year as a team, as, as both drivers and uh, take the team more forward. But uh, that will we will see later on how it is with all the all the changes that happened over the over the. Uh, winter. What did he think was planned for the Bahrain test? We'll find out. I, I don't think there is. Obviously, the team has a lot of things that they want to try always. Obviously, the drivers prefer to do some things, and uh, you know, you want to try different setups sometimes. I think, especially this year, with having three days, especially one and a half days, each driver, hopefully, you know, there cannot be any reliability issues because that takes easily half a day or one day, and then then there's not much left. So, I mean, we have to pick and choose the right the right things. We try to spread it over the three days and uh, get the best out of it and try to make uh, everybody happy. So, you know, let's, let's just hope that we can run laps and uh, try things and that. And what sort of mood was Antonio in? New season is uh, near here and I'm uh, looking forward. Uh, will be my third season with the team. So just really happy to continue with them. Uh, of course, it will be again another tricky one. Uh, but yeah, we I think we worked really hard during uh, the winter in the factory. On my side, with the uh, training really hard, and uh, yeah, just looking forward for the first test. See how we see the car, and then finally we can have the first race. He's not the new boy anymore. How's the relationship with the team evolved? Two full season with the team. I uh, mean, uh, mean already you know that I know much better the people in the team, uh, so I can work better with them. Uh, of course, you know, the target is still, uh, still the same with them, so scoring a lot of points together, 
my dream is, you know, uh, that maybe we can score a podium together. So this is our uh, our target so far. You know, we need to see first where uh, where we are in terms of uh, performance and speed. But um, I'm sure that we can do really well this year. How was the winter break? The winter was uh, was really really short. Uh, the winter break. Uh, we we finished. You know, the last race was middle of December, and uh, and uh, yeah, I think uh, in the end uh, we we had less time. Everyone to you know to to prepare the car and uh, to prepare uh, myself as well. Uh, but in the end, you know, was uh, was similar for everyone. So we need to be just. Uh, Smarter and uh, and uh, try to you know to to go to uh, to Bahrain with the with the best uh, shape and the best uh, best car po- as possible and uh, and then see you from there. What did there. you get up to? Yes, of course. Uh, in the winter break, you know, is the time where uh, you can see first of all your family. Uh, so I spend a lot of time uh, with my family um, and then you know with uh, with uh, with the training with my personal trainer we we did a lot of training in uh, you know with the bike uh, ride the bike on the gym uh, of course also with the covid situation was not so easy but you know i think i i prepare myself as uh, as good as possible and uh, but now the track will, uh, will what about play. his targets for 2021 the target for this season is you know is uh is like uh, every season you know do uh, as good as possible and uh, score the maximum points that we can score uh, with the team uh, you know i think uh, this is the target for the team so also for myself for myself i think is to continue to improve myself like a driver uh, like i did you know last year uh, compared to the first season so do another step uh, forward and uh, and then yeah like uh, like i said before you know my dream is uh, that maybe we can score a podium because i think uh, the team deserve and uh, this is what uh, what we need to target for this year and was he looking forward to testing Testing will be only three days for for two drivers, so one day and a half for each driver uh, will be not easy. But uh, fortunately, you know the car uh, with the, the regulation that uh, stayed almost the same uh, will be quite similar. So I think the target will still, you know, to do as many as laps we can and uh, to get a lot of data. Just uh, the test will be only one week before the first race. So. We need to manage to to take all the data as possible, and then uh, and then we'll see from there. You know, we will have another week free to just check everything and uh, and try to be to be ready for the first race. After the launch, the analysts were agreed that the changes were a step in the right direction. Matt Summerfield of Motorsport.com said that all things being equal, the C41 looks to be a step forward when compared directly with the car that finished the 2020 campaign, and added that. Most of the team's effort focused on the front end of the car in order to unlock the potential aft of it. Matt Gretton of GP Blog also noted that the diffuser regulations seem to have had less effect on Alpha than some of the other teams, as the 2020 spec car didn't make full use of the previous straight length allowance. And Mark Hughes of Autosport pointed out that by the standards of last year's Mercedes or Red Bull, this is still a wide nose. There's a trade-off to be made, he said. The wider nose can actually create more downforce at high car speeds by utilising the low pressure area beneath it to speed up the flow to the underfloor. He added that at low speeds this can become something of a dead area for the airflow and furthermore it means that the cape can't begin turning the air towards the barge boards as soon. The sooner the flow can be turned, the more consistent it will tend to be by the time it arrives at the barge boards, allowing them to do their job better. As always, the only real way to know if the changes have worked is to measure them with a stopwatch. And so it was off to Bahrain for an intense three days of testing, just a couple of weeks ahead of the opening race on the same circuit. It's always difficult to draw too many conclusions from testing, particularly when the first day is hit by high winds and a sandstorm. 
But while the TV pundits focused on Red Bull, which did have a good test, Mercedes, which didn't, McLaren, which did okay, Aston Martin, which had a nightmare, Alpha Tauri, which looked solid, and Alpine, which looked chaotic, they largely ignored Alfa Romeo. Yes, they mentioned the team's reliability. They ran 422 laps, the equal highest number of any team, with Raikkonen putting in 165 laps on day three alone. That's more than three Bahrain Grand Prix distances. But they largely glossed over the team's pace. Raikkonen was fourth on day three, behind Verstappen, Tsunoda in the Alfa Tauri, and Sainz in the Ferrari, but ahead of Hamilton, Bottas, both McLarens, Leclerc and Perez. And that was hardly a fluke. Giovinazzi was fifth fastest on day two, less than half a second off Bottas's pace, and again ahead of both Ferraris, Ricciardo's McLaren and Perez's Red Bull. And the team had kicked off the test with Giovinazzi in sixth, just behind Sainz and ahead of Leclerc, ahead of Hamilton and ahead of both Alpha Tauris. If the speed was mentioned at all, though, it was dismissed as an outlier. Questions were even asked as to whether Alpha were testing so-called party modes on behalf of Ferrari as an explanation for what the stopwatch was showing. I mean, it couldn't possibly be that the Alphas were quick, could it? On the other hand, if they managed to run Ferrari's party modes and put in 422 laps without a hitch, that bodes well for the rest of the season. Alpha's performance went largely unnoticed until George Russell told a journalist that he'd been impressed. I need to look deeper into the data, he said, but I would say at the moment they look like the most surprising team. On the face of things, he added, Kimi looked very, very fast. When he repeated the same comments to Sky F1 pundit Karun Chandok a couple of weeks later, presumably having looked deeper into the data, it prompted the experts to go back and look again, and they seemed to be surprised by what they found, which just goes to prove that me shouting at the TV for three days is less effective than George Russell casually dropping something into a conversation. The reality, of course, is that we don't know how much fuel teams are running, and the times are set on different tyres. But the rumours are that the long-run pace is good too, so we'll have to see. We probably won't see until a couple of races into the calendar. Bahrain's not a typical F1 circuit, and it's also the second home for the teams recently, with two races at the end of 2020 and the test and the opening Grand Prix. Talking of the next couple of races, it's probably worth looking at the calendar as a whole. After the makeshift but thrilling 17 race 2020, the plan for this year is for a remarkable 23 races, with the season not concluding until mid-December. Covid restrictions mean Australia's moved from its traditional slot at the start of the season to the 21st of November, and we return to Imola and Portimao, which were fantastic last-minute additions to the 2020 calendar. Sandfort returns too, having been a last-minute cancellation last year, and we have another new venue for the penultimate race of the year with a street race in Jeddah, Saudi Arabia. There are lots of double-header weekends and two triple-headers, Spa, Sandfort and Monza in August and September, and Austin, Mexico City and Interlagos in October and November. Imola was a good race for Alfa in 2020, the only race where both cars scored points. And Interlagos, Monza, the Red Bull Ring, Baku and indeed Bahrain have all seen the team do well in the past. Of course, 23 races is the plan at the moment, with a third wave of coronavirus cases hitting Europe and the situation in the rest of the world difficult to predict, it's possible that we'll see changes yet. But the FIA are confident that we'll see 23 races and have contingency plans to make sure that they hit that target. Fingers crossed. In the driver's press conference on Thursday, both drivers were still wary of reading too much into the sudden interest in their performance. Kimi insisted that it was impossible to know how testing would translate into qualifying and race performances, and seemed genuinely baffled by questions about how he'd coped at the ripe old age of 41 with running three Grand Prix distances in a day at the test. Giovinazzi seemed more upbeat, although to be fair it's hard to seem less upbeat than Kimi, 
but he insisted his goal was simply to build on the improvements on the last couple of years to keep eliminating the mistakes and to translate his first lap performances into better overall race performances. In the opening practice session, which is run in daylight with much higher air and track temperatures than the qualifying and race sessions, the two alphas were comfortably in the middle of the timesheets. Giovinazzi finished 10th, 1.4 seconds off Verstappen's table-topping 1 minute 31.394, and Raikkonen was 11th, three-tenths further back. They were ahead of both the Aston Martins, the Alpines, and Sonoda's Alpha Tauri, all of which were much fancied after pre-season testing. FP2 didn't go quite so well, as the pack closed up dramatically behind Verstappen on a 130.847. Raikkonen's track time was limited by a crash early on, which saw him limp back to the pits with no front wing. Giovinazzi was the quicker of the two again and was almost half a second closer to the Red Bull, but improvements elsewhere meant that that was only good enough for 13th, with Raikkonen over a tenth or so adrift in 16th. Raikkonen finally betted his teammate in the final daytime practice session, with the seventh fastest time 1.647 seconds behind Verstappen's impressive 130.577. Giovinazzi was 12th, 1.923 behind the leader. And so to qualifying. Both cars were on track early in Q1, in line astern behind the two Ferraris, and their first laps were half a second off their engine supplier's pace. By the time everyone had set a lap, they were down to 14th and 15th, with Verstappen leading the session by just a tenth of a second from Yuki Tsunoda, the first F1 driver born in the 21st century, in the Alpha Tauri. For the first time, they were behind the two Aston Martins and Alonso's Alpine. Ocon's Alpine was the first of the cars below the cutoff, just a couple of hundredths off Giovinazzi's pace. Verstappen damaged his diffuser on his in-lap and didn't make a second run in Q1. He didn't really need to, but the Alphas did, and for the first time in a long time, both made it into Q2. Giovinazzi in 9th, 0.499 off Verstappen's time, with Raikkonen in 14th, just over half a second back. Would either of them manage to find the pace to make it into Q3? On the first runs, Mercedes managed to top the timesheets for the first time, with Hamilton two-tenths faster than Verstappen on a 130.085. With Perez and Ricardo losing their first run times due to track limit violations, Giovinazzi and Raikkonen were 11th and 12th, some way off the pace, 2.296 and 2.310 seconds adrift to the leaders, and three tenths away from a place in Q3. But that's probably about where the testing times would have suggested, right at the top of the bottom half of the timesheets. Giovinazzi improved significantly and leapt up to fifth briefly, but a whole series of cars behind him improved too, seeing the Italian drop to 12th. Raikkonen was also on course to improve, but in the end could do no better than 14th. A useful step up from 2020, but not quite where the team expected to be. Team principal Fred Vasseur confirmed on Saturday evening that the team's target was to put both cars in Q2, and he was delighted that they'd not only managed it, but got really close to the top 10. To miss out on Q3 by less than a tenth really shows the progress we've made compared to last year, he said. It's a good reward for the team after the good work put in over the winter, and we've proved that our optimism after testing was well-founded, and that we can be a lot more competitive this season, he added. He cautioned that there's still a lot of work to be done to keep fine-tuning the package to be able to consistently perform in the top 10 and regularly fight for points. But he was confident that the team have definitely made some big moves in the right direction. Kimi was typically enthusiastic, describing 14th as not a bad result for the first qualifying of the year. Of course, he added, it could have been a bit better. He admitted to making a couple of small mistakes here and there and confided that the team made a few changes to the car after the morning to anticipate the conditions, which perhaps didn't work quite as well as they'd expected. He still feels they're in a good position for the race. Giovinazzi went even further and used the H-word, saying that they could be really happy with the result. In the race, he said, they'll start just outside the top 10 and with a free choice of tyres. 
He's confident that the team has a very good opportunity to achieve a good result, as the performance was close to the cars ahead of them. The performance in qualifying confirmed the positive feeling from testing and the improvement on last year, and, more importantly, they feel they can have a lot more fun this season. He admitted that the race will be tricky, especially with the wind, and that they need to put everything together, strategy, start and pit stops, and get the maximum out of the car, but they are aiming for a points finish. If you downloaded this podcast as soon as it was released, there's just a couple of hours to go until the lights go out for the opening race. Starting from 12th and 14th isn't ideal, but they do at least have a choice of tyre strategy and must be well positioned to challenge for the lower point scoring positions. But realistically, what can they expect in Bahrain? In 2020, Giovinazzi started 16th, three tenths ahead of Raikkonen, and after Grosjean's horrific first lap accident and Stroll's flip on the restart, the only real change was that they swapped places, finishing 15th and 16th. But in 2019, Kimi would made it into Q1 and pipped Norris's McLaren to 9th place, with Giovinazzi down in 16th, with the Finn taking an impressive 7th at the end and Giovinazzi just missing out on the points. In 2018, Ericsson and Leclerc turned in a disappointing qualifying with the Swede 17th and the Monogasque on the back row of the grid, but turned that into 9th and 12th in the race. It's a circuit where the Hinwild team can do well. So good luck to Kimi and Antonio, and as usual we'll be covering the whole season in Alfa Romeo Driver, starting with a full Bahrain race report in the April issue. But that's it for this week. Enjoy the race and the rest of the season, and we'll be back in two weeks' time on the 11th of April. As usual, episode 29 will be available to download from 1.30 on Sunday, from YouTube, iTunes, Podcast Addict, and everywhere else good podcasts are found. Until then, stay safe. (laughs) 